Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. This morning I am speaking on overcoming deception. Who is excited about that? Yeah, hey. Well, I'm going to take a really big and broad topic. I'm going to condense it into a little itsy bitsy bit because it is a huge topic. And my focus today is not about um, how and why, but today it's about how we can get out from under it. So it's not about how people deceive or, or sorry, why, but it's how we can overcome and how we can get free from it. So I want to start off with praying. Is that okay if we pray? Yeah? Good. Well, Holy Spirit, we want to welcome you here today. We thank you that you have a plan. You have a purpose. And Holy Spirit, you are here to meet with your children because you want to deliver us. You want to set us free. And you came specifically for that reason to lead and guide us into all truth. So we welcome you. And Father, we thank you that by your great love, you have brought us thus far, that in the race, O Lord God, and in this journey in you, that every day we get an opportunity to overcome. And we thank you for what you're about to do today and for how you're going to lead us and guide us and bring us into a place of great deliverance and freedom today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well... I don't know if anybody knows who the writer Mark Twain was. Show of hands. Okay, well, we should go maybe a little bit further into um, the 21st century. But anyway, Mark Twain wrote a great uh, play uh, that was made into a movie, and it was called The Prince and the Pauper. Anybody ever heard of that movie or that play or that story? So The Prince and the Pauper, in short, is a story about two young boys. One was a waif on the streets, and um, he lived by stealing, and he lived on the streets. He was, um, he was uh, under the control of um, someone who would uh, make him beg and steal. And one day, he happened to wander into the palace where this young prince lived. And the prince started having a chat with him. And this young boy is telling the prince how great life was on the streets and how he got to roll in the mud and how they got to, you know, they got to steal the bits and pieces of their food and and all the fun they were having. The prince, who's living in, in sheer luxury, thought this was a great way to live. They suddenly got this, this great revelation that they looked alike, very much alike. And so what they did was they exchanged places. So the, the pauper became the prince. He, he wore the prince's clothes. He was in the palace. And then the prince went out to the streets to experience life in the mud. Anyway, long story short, it does turn out to be a good story at the end. But when we think about the story, we think, oh, what a nice story. Look at how great it is and how it turns out. But at the bottom of it, at the base of this is... Deception. They deceive people into thinking there was someone that they were not. So sometimes in life, we look at deception and we see it through different lenses. Another story that I'm going to quickly mention, um, maybe for, for it's not as modern. As a matter of fact, guys, I, I did a quick research on movies on deception. Can I tell you? There are lots of them out there. 
many, many movies on deception, but the one I'm going to talk about is uh, Made in Manhattan. It's an old rom-com for you, you know, rom-com diehards. Um, but it's, it's about a woman, it was Jennifer Lopez who played the main role, and she was a maid in this, in this hotel in Manhattan and, and mistakenly, was mistakenly um, uh, she, uh, a politician who was in the hotel at the time thought that she was a socialite. But while she was cleaning the room, she was trying on the clothes of the socialite that was occupying the room at the time. Anyway, long story short, he date, starts dating her and they're having a relationship and she becomes, she becomes so convicted in her heart about the deception, she, she goes and she confesses to him and of course he still marries her, you know. That's how it turns out in the movies, right? But we love these movies, but yet at the base there's an underlying message and an underlying, um, underlying reason. So when we think about deception, sometimes it, um, it could cloud, deception can actually cloud our thinking when we are looking at situations. And I'm gonna give us a few examples of how that happens, why it happens, and how we can get out from under it. So the focus today is to overcome. But in order for me to help us through what the Lord has given me, we need to first identify what deception is so we'll know what we're overcoming. Does that make sense? Good. I'm going to make you do something that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Say to someone or to yourself, I'm going to get free today. Good. Didn't sound very enthusiastic, but you know what? We'll ask for some fire in a minute and, uh, and we'll see how we're going to get free. So what's the definition of deception? It's this. Deception is the act of or practice of deceiving, lying, misleading, or otherwise hiding or distorting the truth. Deception doesn't just involve lying. It consists of misrepresenting, I could never say that word, misrepresenting or omitting the truth, or omitting parts of a story, or omitting parts of a conversation that would lead to the truth, but you leave that out. It also is uh, when we avoid the truth. You know when you hear about convenient truths, sometimes people tell a convenient truth but they leave out a little bit. And that can be quite disconcerting because it's, we are called to be people of truth, right? We're called to walk in the truth, we're called to live in the truth. So when we see deception, sometimes it's, um, it's a pattern of behavior and it's a continuous kind of pattern. And when we see that in someone, it's usually because they've got some underlying unhealed areas of their lives that they haven't yet conquered. And hopefully today, although we're dealing just with overcoming, Holy Spirit will come and meet us wherever we need to be met. Deception is usually wrapped in truth. What happens is the truth is taken and it's twisted around so that it sounds good. And it sounds almost like the truth but it's really not. And we see a good example of this in Genesis chapter three, where in the Garden of Eden, Eve is having a conversation with the serpent, and what does he say to her? He says, did God say you could not eat of any of the trees? And Eve turns to him and she goes, God's, no, God said we could eat of any tree except the one in the middle of the garden. 
Now the truth is wrapped up in there somewhere and he was trying to twist it so that she would agree with him. And that's usually what deception is looking for. It's looking for agreement. And the minute it, you agree with it, it gets aground, it comes in and it comes in to stay until you kick it out. So what does deception do? Let's, let's talk a little bit about how it lands on us. Deception lands on vulnerability and fear. When we have a fear inside of us, or we have a tender part, something in our hearts that is, that is just so aware, and, 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 and we're very conscious of this, the, the deception comes in and lands on there. How does that work? Let me just give you a quick example. I don't want to spend too, many, too much time on examples, but um, during the lockdown, I've been embracing my gray, um, and, and, and trying not to use hair dye. Uh, but, you know, let's just suppose that somebody comes to me and they say, you know what? Once you go gray, you can't ever go back. Like, you're stuck with it. Your hair's going to stay like that. Now, if I was really concerned about it and concerned about aging, because gray is typically associated with aging, and I know it's not the truth, but let's just say I have a tender spot where I'm like, I really don't want gray hair because I'm going to look, you know, whatever. I don't like using certain words, but let's just say that I have a tender place in there about that. I start to believe that person and I'm like, oh my goodness, the vulnerability inside of me starts to act out. And it's like, I will be like that forever. Now we know that's not true. I can go buy a pack of dye and, and, and dye my hair. But it's because I am, I'm feeling really tender about it. That is a soft spot in me. Or because I'm so fearful, fearful of aging, that I'm like, oh my goodness, that deception comes and lands right in my heart. By the way, I'm not concerned about aging. Well, let's just so we know, it's all good. <laughs> Another way is self-deception. Self-deception comes in when we start to tell ourselves things that are not true. And quite frequently, when people fall into self-deception, it's because we are trying to pacify something inside of us. A lot of us have unfulfilled dreams. A lot of us were told some very nasty things during the course of our lives. We've had experiences that have really riddled us with fear, has riddled us with insecurities. And sometimes we tell ourselves these lies, like, you know, I would be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. It doesn't happen. But we start to tell ourselves, but no, I'm going to make that. I'm going to be a millionaire. We go around saying, well, I'm going to be a millionaire. Now, that's not really a true deception. That could be true, right? It could be that you, you will still accomplish that. But it's sometimes we have unfulfilled areas of our lives and we start to pacify ourselves with these beliefs. And that's how we fall into self-deception. Saul was so convinced that David was after him and David was the one who was wanting to dethrone him. When in actual fact, it was God. But Saul became so obsessed with David that everything he did became part of his lenses of how he did, of, of, of everything that he did, and he fell into self-deception. It also changes our relationships when we come into conflict, and then we start to have these, these um, altercations between us, and it can affect our relationships, it can affect our, um, it'll cause us to, cause us to blame shift. 
And I want to say right now that, you know, the demonic spirits have been really much at work in relationships and causing rifts in families and tearing people apart. But today we're going to take that out because God believes and wants families to be united, to be living in love with one another, and to be living the way that God intended for us to be as families. So it comes from others. It comes from us, ourselves. And it comes from demonic powers. Do you know that their demonic powers can affect us and bring deception in a way that they, they would uh, oppress us? So those are the, the three ways that it comes in. Deception has this, this capability to make us feel intense shame. If you've ever experienced deception, it brings a lot of shame. And people do not like to admit that they've been in that place. But God wants us to live a free life. Jesus came that we would have life and we would have it abundantly, a full life. We are not meant to live in shame. We are meant to live in the fullness of our identity in Christ Jesus, knowing that he has great and good gifts for us. So how does this happen? How does this, how this deception happen? I just want to say I was doing some research and... Um, I was reading about uh, a psychologist's report about uh, couples who fall into infidelity. And um, he was saying that quite often when one spouse is, is betrayed by the other in infidelity, it's not so much the fact that they slept with someone else or that they were betrayed because sometimes they, they can acknowledge that they had a part to play in it. Some, the, the worst impact that it has on the spouse who was betrayed is the fact that they were deceived. And deception goes so deep in the heart, it makes you feel insecure, makes you feel invaluable, makes you feel demoralized. So deception is very destructive. And we need to do everything that we can to get out from under it so that we can live our best life. So how does it happen? A person tells you something to influence you, to influence you on their side in their belief, or sometimes it's about somebody else. I want to take a moment to say, guys, if somebody comes to tell you something about somebody else to influence you on their side, you need to ask them two questions. Why are you telling me this and what value is it going to add to my life? And you shut it down right there, you cut cut through all the demonic junk, and you stand in the integrity of who you are and also the person that comes to you about it. Deception is not just a quick lie, it's a consistency. It keeps coming at you, coming at you like a hammer with a nail. You know when, well, unless you're really strong, but me, I would need a few hits to get a, a nail into a, into a piece of wood. You take a hammer and you hit the nail once, it doesn't go in. You hit it twice, doesn't go in. The third time it goes in. And that's what deception is. Continuous lies, continuous, continually coming at you, and eventually it finds its mark. Sometimes it's deliberate. Sometimes it's deliberate. And in our society today, we call it gaslighting. Have you heard that terminology? Gaslighting is when someone is continually and consistently telling you that you're wrong. They're consistently telling you that your thoughts are warped, that you're imagining something. I've heard people say that, you know, their spouse uh, has told them, you're crazy. 
Someone is consistently telling you, you live in a fictional world. What you believe is wrong, and what I believe is right. And it's based on, if you, if you want to research it, it's a, it's a, it's a great, um, uh, there are a couple of movies made about it, but it gives you a little bit more insight into what gaslighting is like. And it is so invasive that eventually that one person that is being gaslit all the time starts to doubt themselves and it has long-term mental effects on them. So that's what deception comes in like. And the final point that I want to make about deception, um, and this is how good God is. I had this on my notes last night, and uh, this morning I was driving to work with my armor bearer, um, Diane Wallace here. By the way, armor bearer is someone who prays for you, like intercedes for you, like she's doing right now, so I don't fall off the stage and stuff like that. Um, but uh, <laughs> So God loves to demonstrate the spiritual and the natural. And I had this in my, um, in my notes, and this morning as I left my house, which is approximately an hour away from here, I was driving in with Diane, and we were, we were watching the fog. And the fog was sitting all over the water. We come through some little lakes, and um, the fog was sitting so thick that you could barely see. And then all of a sudden, as we're halfway here, the sun came out in all its glory and the fire of the sun just demolished and, 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 and cleared up all of the fog. And that's what deception is like. When you first see it, it looks attractive and it looks like innocuous and it looks like, oh, I can venture into that, you know, mariners and pilots and drivers. Oh no, I can venture into that. But and all of a sudden, when you get into it, you realize it's thicker than you thought, and all of a sudden you can't see clearly, and your lenses are changed, and you need to find your way out of it. Well, I'm so thankful I got a new car that had fog lamps, so I turned those on, and uh, we got out of the fog. But that's what deception is like. It can come quickly and cloud our vision, or it can take its time over a period and a course of um, uh, over a course or a period of time. So, what does Jesus say about deception? In Matthew 24, in speaking about the end times, Jesus was very, very clear, and he was also very passionately saying to us, see to it, watch, that nobody deceives you. I think that's a pretty good directive, don't you? Watch, that nobody deceives you. Why is Jesus saying this? Because he knows, he knows our hearts, he knows our human nature. And guys, there's something that's inside of us for some reason or another just seems to embrace deception when it comes to us without us pushing back on it. And Jesus is saying this, come on, watch that nobody deceives you. We live in a culture that is rife with subliminal messages that are always telling us we need this or we need that or there's something wrong with our bodies or we need to be doing this. Or we need to be doing that. And we have become so desensitized to it that we just, you know, we lap it all up. The media, some days can be extremely confusing when you read the, when you read the news. Because depending on which, which, which one you're reading, it, it confuses you as to what they're saying. And it makes you wonder, what am I to believe anymore? And... Uh, We've got so many scammers. I, I, I read a story about a lady in Toronto who lost her life savings buying Bitcoin from somebody who was actually not authentic. Uh, and, and that's really, really horrible. But it feels like our society is just so full of different kinds of deception that we don't recognize it anymore. But hopefully today we will. And then of course there's social media. Enough said, no more to talk about social media. Right? Come on, are you with me? Yes. 
So Jesus is very familiar with deception because he was taken into the wilderness right after he was baptized by John by the devil to be tempted. And the devil used words to try and deceive him. So what does the rest of the Bible say about deception? Well, let's go to Galatians. Um, Galatians, I'm going to start in Galatians 5. But before I get there, I want to, I want to give us a little bit of a preamble. Paul, who was uh, Saul, when he got saved, he, uh, he became a missionary, started uh, doing missionary trips. And on his, one of his first missionary trips, he was in Asia Minor, landed in Galatia, and he planted a church. And he oversaw that church. He took apostolic oversight for that church. And uh, loved the church, loved the people. It gets to Paul's ears that the church is now adopting, and they're first they're divided, and they're adopting deceptive thoughts and deceptive practices in the church. And Paul, whose letters were actually mostly written by someone called Tertius and others, did not have them pen this letter. He sat down himself and he wrote this letter to them. And he's asking them, listen, this is what Paul says, okay? He goes, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Oh my goodness, Paul, that's pretty strong. Like you're calling people foolish and who's bewitched them? Well, bewitchment is another form of deception, right? And he's asking them, who's deceived you? You guys were running such a great race. What happened? Why are you behaving like this? Because religious leaders of the time came in and they said to the believers in the church, you need to be circumcised. Well, not uh, men. They were, they, were, they were actually saying, you now need to be under Jewish and Hebraic law. You're no longer under grace. You have to get back under the law in order to be saved. And one of the point of discussions was circumcision. And Paul is aghast. And he's distraught. And he's like, you guys are doing so well. Like, what happened? Who, who's deceiving you? Because as you, I, I love reading this, okay? This is in the, um, in, in the Passion Translation. He says, oh, you foolish and thoughtless and superficial Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you would act like this? To whom? Right before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed, portrayed as crucified. What is Paul saying? He says, you were saved by grace, by the love of Jesus. You don't need to be under the law anymore. And these people are trying to force you to be under the law by saying you need to be circumcised. You don't need to have a surgical, uh, a, a surgical operation on your body. It's not about your body. It's about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that he put on the cross and was crucified for us. And by that we are saved. And he is incensed. That's why he said that to them, oh, you foolish Galatians. And then he picks on Peter. Earlier on, I said Barnabas, by the way, but he picks on Peter and he says, Peter, I can't believe this. He says, well, Barnabas, who was his friend as well, um, he said, even you, Barnabas, were deceived. I can't believe it. And he says to Peter, he says, Peter, you are a Jewish man who lives more like a Gentile but now you're telling Gentiles and saved people to live like a Jew and put yourself under the law. How can you do that? That is the depth of deception that he is facing in the day, in that day. So he's very angry and he says this to them. But then he says, if you keep reading, all of my points are taken out of the book of Galatians, by the way. So 
Um, just uh, if you want to read it at home. But then he says, it's okay. You know why Paul got so incensed? I have to tell you, when you have been deceived before, you know what it's like. And when you come out from under it, you have an anger and you have a passion. You're like, I am not standing for this anymore. You know why Paul was so incensed? He himself was deceived. And until he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and came into the truth of being saved through grace and through love, he was chasing down Christians and, 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 and making them lion food. So he knows what deception looks like. But he also knows what it takes to get out of it. And he goes, here, I got the antidote for you guys. Come on, you guys, say to yourself, I'm getting free today. Come on, we're going to do this. He says to them, I got an antidote for you. And he says, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Oh, and you will not gratify the, des the des desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But you, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Come on. He's saying, spirit. What does that mean to live in the spirit? He's saying, don't feed the flesh. So my first point would be, how do we, how do we get out from under, under deception? We live in the spirit. We walk in the spirit. You starve the flesh. Come on, I got to starve my flesh all the time. Do you know, every day I go like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the situation. I go like, Lord, wait, I'm thinking something bad about that. Or I'm, I'm seeing a judgment here. I'm making a judgment. And I'm going like, no flesh. You don't get to do that. I'm going to starve you. And that's what he's saying. Starve your flesh. Live in the spirit. What does it mean to live in the spirit? We stand in our integrity and what we learn from the Bible and learn from Jesus. What does it mean to live in the spirit? We are spirit that have a soul that live in a body. We are spirit first. It should be our first point of communication and contact with Holy Spirit is to commune with him and be in him and ask him to be in us. That as he lives inside of us, if we make a habitation in a home right in here for the spirit, the flesh gets no leeway. What's the next thing that Paul says? He says, love truth, obey truth. You guys know the truth is a person? His name is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Come on, you can love truth. He's a person. And when you love truth, you start to meld with truth. Your heart melts with the truth. Because when you love someone, okay, let's not talk about loving people, but um, that's next month's sermon. But when you love something and you love someone, you start to meld into them. You want to become one with them. We need to love Jesus, God our integrity. Because when, when, we, when we stick close to Jesus and we love the truth and we guard our hearts, then we will, net, we will leave no room for deception to come in. We use the word of God. The word of God is our power. It's our weapon of warfare. We speak the word of God over us. And we say, this is the truth. The truth is that God, Jesus Christ, came to set us free. And whom the Son sets free is? Thank you for singing that song this morning, worship team. I was just rejoicing in it. In Proverbs 11.3, it says, the integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. 
And James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We need to do what the word tells us to do. And we live in truth. We need to not allow little snippets of leaven, Paul speaks about leaven, to come and to distort the truth. We need to stand firm for what is right and what is true. Next, we need to bring it into the light. We need to be brave. We need to have the conversations. You know, in this world today, there's so many challenges coming at us from different directions. And sometimes it makes us a little timid. But I want to say that we need to have the brave, bold conversations. Ask the questions. Someone comes to you with something, you ask the question. Please tell me. Why are you saying this? What does this mean? Because when we stand up boldly, as the Bible says, listen, Bible says we're as bold as lions. I don't see no lions roaring recently. Come on. We got to roar. We are lions. Let's stand up for the truth. And what we do is we band together. As a church family, we need to stand together and say, you know what? We are not going to stand for lies and deception. We are going to stand beside our brother and our sister, and we're going to help one another to walk out from this, this, this demonic assignment, and we're going to walk in the truth. We need to bring it to the light. The Bible says, if we're in the light as he is in the light, we'll be walking in freedom. Bring things to the light. I have a ton of notes, but... Wisdom, we need to seek wisdom from people. The Bible says that when we seek wisdom, we get counsel. There's wisdom, the counsel of many. And guys, I'm not just saying go to anybody nilly-willy. You go to someone that the Holy Spirit points to. And not just your friends that just want to pacify you and maybe be nice to you. Go to someone and say, can you please help me with this? This person said this, or I feel like I believe this and it's not right. Can you help me to break this down, to dismantle this so that I can come into the truth? Next is be real with yourself. We need to be real with ourselves and confront what's going on in our own hearts so that we can dispel all the demonic forces around us when it comes to deception. It's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and say, what am I believing that's not right? What am I believing that is, that is deception? You know, go to somebody that you trust, but also be real with yourself. Uh, Psalm 139, search me and know me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. That's a great prayer to pray every day, isn't it? Just search me, God. You know, couples, when they first get married... They're really, um, you know, when everything is wine and roses, oh no, no, we don't drink wine, grape juice and roses, um, you know, and things are going really, really well, right? Oh, honey, when we get married, I give you total permission to always correct me and tell me what's going on in my life. Oh, honey, I, I will do that for you. And honey, don't be shy with me either. Like, call me out and stuff, okay? And then, you know, it's 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, you come home and you say something to your spouse, and then bang, like, what do you mean? That's not me. That's not true. Where you go? Where, where did you get that from? What, where are you getting that warped idea? It's not me at all. It must be you. And next thing you know, you've got a blowout, right? But anyway, we need to be real with one another and we need to be real with ourselves. We need to be vigilant and intolerant. Come on, can you be intolerant? Can you be intolerant of deception? Jesus said, be watchful. We need to watch. And when you see it occurring and when you see it happening, you need to stand up 
and say, no, that's not happening. We are not going to tolerate this. Can I say to you, avoid gossip like anything. When you see gossip, dispel it, put it to, to rest, actually put it to death. Remember what Paul said? Starve the flesh and then you'll be able to walk in the spirit. Refuse to compromise. Refuse to compromise. We are called out to be a peculiar people, a holy nation. That's the blessing that we get from walking in the spirit, from walking in truth and obeying truth. This is our inheritance. We're a royal people. Let's act like royalty. Let's start to fight back against these demonic spirits. In Ephesians 4.25, it says, Therefore, each of you must put a falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Let's not treat it, let's not treat it tritely. Let's not treat deception tritely. I know it's all around us, and it's around us, but let us start to take a stand and say no to it. And there's one more thing I want to finish off with. We are a church that believes in hearing the voice of God. It's one of our highest values. We teach this in a school of ministry. We teach this here as a church. Because in John, it tells us that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And we can hear from God. There's something we call your knower. It might sound like old language for some of us, but a new language for some of you. But you have a knower inside of here. That you know in your knower when you've heard from the Holy Spirit. You know in your knower what he has said to you. You know in the depths of your heart what he's spoken into you, into your spirit. And you need to stand on it. Do not let anybody else shake you from it. If Holy Spirit speaks something inside of you, you stand firm and you hold tight to it. And you say, I will not be moved because I know that I heard from God. And if we continue to do that, we will close the door to, de to deception and it will not get in. It will not come and cause us, cause us the pain and the suffering that it has caused us over these years. Thank you guys. Let's stand up and pray. Is that okay if we pray again? Okay. Are we ready to get free? Come on. We're going to pray some prayers right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you, Lord God, that your kindness draws us to repentance. And so, God, this morning we come and we say, we confess and we repent for anywhere that we allow deception to come into our hearts, anywhere that we allow deception to cloud our judgment, anywhere that we allow deception to warp the truth that resides in the very being of our spirits and our souls, we repent of that this morning. And Father God, we thank you that your desire for us is to live our best lives, to fulfill our destiny on the earth, to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and to obey truth and to know truth. And so we come right now, God, and we say, Lord, will you help us? Jesus was touched by the feelings of our, our infirmities. He knows what we, what we experience on a daily basis. And he says, when Holy Spirit comes, he will lead and he will guide you into all truths. And so this morning, Father, we ask that Holy Spirit would come even now. Just come. We give you permission, Holy Spirit. Wherever we have made agreement with these lies, the continuous lies, wherever we've allowed ourselves to fall into deception, we say, Lord, will you come 
Will you wash over us? Will you cleanse us from this demonic spirit? Will you restore and renew a right spirit within us? And will you help us to walk out today, Lord, a changed people, one that knows the truth, that will live in the truth, and that will accomplish our very, or the very will that you have for us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.